the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by the Federation for American Immigration Reform and George Rodriguez on 930 AM, The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio on this Saturday, December the 30th, 2023 the final show of this year, my friends, and what a year it has been. It it, it has been mind-blowing. What I've done is I've asked our uh, guests to please give us uh, an, uh, their assessment of the year and what we should expect as far as this border crisis goes in the coming year. Uh, first of all, let me begin by uh, thanking our sponsor, the Federation for American Immigration Reform. Uh, you can find out more about FAIR uh, at FAIRUS.org. It is the foremost organization that fights for uh, an American policy that serves America first uh, regarding immigration, my friends. They are uh, at the forefront of border security. Uh, they, I, I can't say enough good things about them, first of all, because they sponsor our show, but because they are involved in this fight at the very, very beginning, or, or have been from the very, very beginning. Let me tell you uh, who our guests are. Uh, first of all, our first guest is Mr. Jason Jones, a regular contributor to our program, my friends. He is a Newsmax reporter and a former Texas Department of Public Safety um, border crime expert. And uh, he is uh, now also affiliated and doing some work with uh, the border 911.com organization group, who are a group of experts. And of course, he is one of them. He's going to be telling us about what is happening uh, with uh, the spread of uh, international crime right into our backyards. Yes, into your neighborhoods, my friends. The people that are coming in, they're not the uh, tired uh, poor that you would uh, think of. A lot of them are being released from prisons by their, by Venezuela, by Nicaragua, uh, by Cuba, and they are coming to the United States uh, to continue their nefarious uh, behavior. Uh, then we've got Miss Allison Anderson, and she is a border resident and wife of a border patrol agent. She's going to tell you how, how, what it's been like uh, for her husband, as well as her uh, personally, uh, as a resident, what she is seeing right there at the border. Uh, our next guest, our, our our third guest, is Mr. Chris Hayek, who is uh, with the uh, at St. Mary's University. With the he is director of the Warrior Defense Project at St. Mary's University. He's going to be talking to us about the terrorist threat that we've got in the United States right now particularly since we have a very, very active pro-Hamas movement in the United States. Our, uh, our, our final guest is Mr. Chris Hayek with the uh, Immigration Reform Law Institute, who will tell us about the uh, key law, laws, uh, lawsuits that were won in, uh, this past year uh, affecting the border crisis and which ones are coming up. So, my friends, welcome to the show again. Let me thank FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform, for sponsoring our program. Let's go to our first guest. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And we've got uh, our good friend, Mr. Jason Jones, who is a regular contributor to our program. Uh, Jason is a uh, border crime expert. Uh, at least I consider him that, and many other people do. Uh, Jason uh, it used to be <clears throat> used to work with the uh, Texas Department of Public Safety on border crime, 
And uh, he is now working with uh, Newsmax as a reporter. He is also uh, affiliated and doing um, some uh, consulting work with uh, Border911.com, which is a a new organization that uh, has come about that is uh, providing expert guidance. I mean, everyone who is an expert, everyone affiliated with that organization is an expert on the border. They have worked at the border. They know what they're talking about. Jason, definitely. So welcome to the show, Jason. Thank you for taking time to be with us, buddy. As always, George, of course, it's great to be with you. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you and your listeners. You know, as we talk about what's happened this year, your listeners need to understand that we have encountered more people from around the world and at our southern, our coastal and northern borders than at any other time in American history. It's not a perception. It's not a feeling. The data validates it. In 23, we had 3.2 million encounters, and we had people from 171 countries. Now think of that, 3.2 million encounters. So where the administration is going with their policies is they have clearly doubled down on um, the CBP-1 app, allowing people to come into our country via that app into airports all over the nation, along with crossing at our borders. And that's part of why we saw more encounters and apprehensions at our borders and at our airports than at any other time this year. This is the reason uh, it is strictly a policy issue, but it is not the core problem. It is a single layer to a multi-tier problem. And what I am the most concerned about going into 2024 is not national security. It's something that Americans don't hear much about, but it impacts them more than at any other time, and that is public safety. Because you can't have over 10 million people in three years, if you include the gotaways, cross into our country from foreign countries and not think that that's not going to impact Americans. Additionally, you can't have the impact of state actors like China and non-state actors like the Mexican cartels collaborating, working together to move deadly drugs like fentanyl and methamphetamine into this nation like at a level we've never seen before killing more Americans, and just so the folks listening know that we're at 112,000. So what you're going to hear a lot from the national news is about what's happening at the border, the immigration layer, but I want to be very clear here. The challenge we have before us moving forward is that the problem set is now here, it walks among us, and the public safety threat is what should be discussed discussed, uh, and not just the national security concerns, because it is, while it overlaps in many areas, George, uh, it is two different worlds in the way that your government views it. Let me ask you this, because this is something that I have thought about before, and I think we've we've talked about it before, is the combination of this wide open border with so many people pouring in now, plus the defund the police movement in places like, well, Houston's a good example, Austin, a perfect <clears throat> example, um, and here even here in San Antonio, plus... The um, the DAs that have been elected, the George Soros DAs, who uh, let everyone and everyone and anybody walk, but they prosecute law enforcement. And then on top of that, this whole issue of not profiling, not racially profiling anyone. Those three things combined with the wide open border, uh, isn't that a, a, isn't that a recipe for disaster? Well, I, I think it's well said. I, I look at the three-legged stool of the perfect storm that we've we've encountered ourselves in, really in the basis of, of, one, an open border to the world, two, a lack of enforcing the rule of law. You know, that's a big part of this. Uh, you know, when you talk about what DAs and U.S. attorneys are doing, it's more of what they're not doing. I don't know how they're allowed to legally get away with not enforcing the rule of law. And then the third part of this is defunding law enforcement. And that trifecta is putting public safety at the core threat of this, um, or at risk of this threat, I should say. And and that is why I'm saying that we've got to look at this through the lens of public safety and the impact to our citizens. As the threat is now here, we have no initiatives to enforce what is here and protect our citizens that are anything new. And instead, we're trying to do the same old thing and tell you that your border is safe, your border is secure, and defund the police and think that that's going to make a difference when all of us, you know, if you're reasonable and you're prudent, you can see that the rule of law 
is not being followed and that Americans are at risk today more than any other time. And look, the data validates it. It's not a perception. Yeah, that's true. I mean, how many how many have entered since uh, uh, how many encounters have there been since uh, Biden took office? Uh, and then over 10 million, <laughs> over 10 million that we know of. That we know and that's of. why I say we are mm. truly in unprecedented waters in the last two months alone of October and November. We've had 31 people between the ports of entry, 30 at the southern border, one at the northern border, who were on the terrorism watch list. The reason that's important is when I was running the Texas Rangers Cross-Border Operations Center, known as the Border Security Operations Center, I can remember when we would have zero a year, and we had up to six one year, and we caught five of them at our southern border in Texas. So to here in a two-month period, we have had 31 people cross between the ports of entry, apprehended by Border Patrol. Now, why is that significant? To the listener. It is significant because that means that, that those individuals worked and collaborated with the alien smuggling organizations, the Mexican cartels, and long-haul smugglers to be subverted around law enforcement into our country, yet they happen to be captured. Now imagine how many got into the country that we have no idea about. That's right. That's right. So and this is this is why I'm so concerned about public safety in twenty twenty four. Public safety, every, that's all I'm talking about in 2024. Yeah. Well, you know, that's understandable. I'm worried about my public safety, my family's public safety. Uh, what um, do you see any light at the end of the tunnel? Do you think that, well, first of all, do you think that um, the governor's uh, efforts have been uh, effective in any form or fashion? And then secondly, um, what do you see um, in 2024? Because we've got a lot of... Um, Democrats, uh, Democrat mayors screaming and yelling uh, up north uh, about the number of uh, illegal aliens being bused to their communities. Do you think that'll have any impact on the Biden administration? I I, I don't. Uh, I'm going to be very frank with you. I think what will have an impact on the Biden administration will be the overdose death crisis in this country, sitting at 112,000 in a 12-month period. I mean, that when you're, you know, I travel the country almost every week, George, and when I'm in the Northeast and the Northwest, it is everything about fentanyl. Fentanyl is what they feel the most that's directly linked to this unsecured border. You know, I, it will be interesting to see what the administration does. I think in 2024, we're going to see one of two things. Either they are going to start really trying to enforce the law because we're, we're in a national election and they want people to think that they're finally getting a hold of this thing. You know, they've just sent Secretary Blinken to Mexico. He's there right now. It will be interesting to see if anything comes of that or if it's just, you know, more empty talk. But or will they do the exact opposite, which is double down on this to get as many people into the country? I don't know where that's going to go yet, but I will tell you uh, right now, that's my fear that they're going to double down on it and allow, continue to allow more and more. And if you look at the data for October and November for fiscal year uh, 24, we had 309,000 encounters in October and in November, 308,000. For the folks listening, that's 617,000 in two months. We have never seen those kind of numbers in October and November because in the winter months, illegal immigration is usually at its lowest. In the summer months is when it's usually at its highest, and yet we're at the 300,000s already. So my gut tells me, plus we've got a caravan of 6,000 heading our way right now. My gut tells me, that we're going to see it double down. The numbers will be the highest in 24. And I think we are in for a tumultuous year. But I say that depending upon what the administration does in the next six to eight weeks. Well, yep. I mean, it, it really, really is alarming what is happening. And then especially with a new wave coming up. My friend, thank you very much for taking time to be with us as usual. We're going to get you back on again. Uh, sometime next month and uh, give us an update because by then we're going to have a new set of problems, I'm sure. <laughs> we will. And I would I would tell the folks out there listening, when you hear on the national stage everyone talking about the immigration issue, you need to know that they are missing what impacts you and your families the most. Mm-hmm. And that is truly the public safety part of this. Those people coming from countries with a terrorism nexus, those people who are working with the cartels to get in fentanyl, those sex offenders, the gang members, and the list goes on. Your safety is the core issue, and that's what we should all be talking about in 2024 and how these policies are impacting you and your families. Amen. Amen. Yeah, 
I, uh, I, I recently did some more interviews over at the uh, San Antonio Migrant Center, and I am shocked by the number of young men, young single men that are there. It's incredible. It's well said. You're absolutely right. And that's my concern. I'll be heading to Lukeville here and, uh, just next week, so I'll be able to let you know, George, what I'm seeing out there as well. Oh, let's get you on, yeah. Well, stay safe, my friends. Once, once again, my uh, folks, we've been speaking to uh, my good friend, Mr. Jason Jones. And um, stay safe, Jason. We'll get you back on so you can tell us what is going on in Arizona. Always great to be with you. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you. from. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And uh, we've got uh, our good friend, Miss Allison Anderson, uh, who's been on our show before. And uh, Allison is the uh, wife of a Border Patrol agent, as well as a resident on the border. And uh, welcome to the show, Allison. Thank you for taking time to be with us, as usual. Thank you, George, for having me. It's always a pleasure talking with you, sir. All right. So uh, tell us, give us, a, I mean, here we are at the end of the year. Uh, give us your perspective uh, of this past year, both as a resident of the border and as the wife of a Border Patrol agent. Of course. Um, I think as many may have already kind of known about our family is our encounters are usually unique because not only is my husband a Border Patrol agent, um, we also encounter a lot of groups on our property, and we have been experiencing that for almost a decade now. So with that said, um, this last year has been out of control. I mean, it's the worst that we have seen it. It's um, carried a lot of weight, unfortunately, for my husband at work, who is currently, he's on the horse patrol unit here in Del Rio sector. And the horses are collapsed at the moment. They're not out in the field at all and haven't been for weeks at this point. But, I mean, a lot of the things that we have seen here are gotaways. I think 100% of the individuals that have come through our property here at home fall into the category of gotaways. And we have smugglers that park on the back end of our property. They've been running in tandem because they know that our local law enforcement is uh, pretty much exhausted, and there's not a lot of available units anymore that can respond or respond timely. So now, now it's kind me, of a free for all out here. Let me make a a, uh, a distinction um, for those folks who um, are not familiar. Uh, there are two big categories of these folks that are crossing the mm -hmm. border. One yes, group will come across and ask for asylum, introduce themselves. Those are the pictures we usually see uh, on Fox News and, and uh, Newsmax and the other uh, networks, huge numbers of people standing by the river waiting to right. be processed. On the other hand, you know, you've got these gotaways that you mentioned, and these yes. gotaways are not introducing themselves to anybody, and there's a reason. Why, is, why are they not uh, introducing themselves? Well, because a lot of them carry um, violent and criminal backgrounds to begin with, and they intentionally do not want to be caught. These are bad people. And I can tell you that from the almost decade that we've been dealing with um, the groups that come through on our properties, we have never encountered a single family unit, and we have never had a single child on our property where we used to live, which was in um, Big Bend sector, and here now in Del Rio sector. So... That should put into perspective that a lot of the people that we do encounter here at home are bad individuals with bad intentions. And uh, some of the examples of things that my husband has been through with work, I mean, he's had to deal with head injuries from people falling off of the train, illegals, excuse me, falling off of the trains. He's literally been doing chest compressions on his backboard to illegals that have succumbed to heat-related illnesses and running across, you know, carrying these individuals on backboards across the highway while doing chest compressions to load them into the back of the ambulances. He's had to do chest compressions on um, infants well, toddlers, really, like an 18-month-old little girl that was pulled out of the river here and then later suspected to have been used um, as payment, really. Her little body was suspected to be used of payment for crossing the border because she was found to have been sexually brutalized. 
And unfortunately, she was not able to be saved. She she passed away and just falls into this category of statistics at this point. But <clears throat> there's, you know, these FTY pursuits that come through when horses were the horse patrol unit was still able to be in the field. They did a lot of help with DPS and Operation Lone Star through um, Del Rio, Eagle Pass and Brackettville with the Kinney County guys. And it was constant pursuits and they were the unit that would work those that fled from these pursuits on foot. And they were a huge component in catching a lot of the bad guys that were in these um, smuggling vehicles. So they're no longer able to do that because of this administration and the absolute nightmare that is going on down here in Eagle Pass right now and in Del Rio sector and really literally all over the southern border. Now, give us a perspective. Give us a uh what you see as far as the morale of the uh, of Border Patrol agents. I mean, what does you, what do you see with your husband as well as uh, his uh, cohorts? I mean, I think anyone that knows a Border Patrol agent can tell that they're struggling. They're, I mean, what morale is left? This administration has <clears throat> completely degraded our agents. They've stripped them of their mission of securing our border. They've devalued and demoralized our agents. I mean, what... What type of morale is really left for them to have at the end of the day? I know for my husband, he's a combat veteran. My husband served in Fallujah in Iraq, and he lost brothers in combat. And he served this nation. He served, you know, for the security of our nation. And for him, being in Border Patrol for 15 years, he's never seen anything like this. And up until this administration took office, you know, the question comes up, what did my brothers die for? What what did what did guys overseas die for to to for us to sit here and watch this administration literally collapse the national security of our country and hand over our border? They're empowering the cartels and the agents want to get back to their jobs. They want to get back in the field and they cannot under this administration because of the policies this administration has put into place. Yep. What, uh, uh, in your opinion, what uh, what do you feel whenever you hear the mayor of uh, of uh, New York, uh, who was on the TV again last night, uh, the mayor of New York uh, complaining about the buses of migrants coming to his neighborhood or to his com- to his city, as well as the mayor of Chicago uh, saying that uh, that uh, it, this border crisis is the fault of the state of Texas. What are your thoughts when you hear that? Well, I I, I usually laugh because I think it's funny. I'm actually from Chicago. So, I mean, born, raised, grew up in Chicago. And I I cannot feel sorry for them. It is a self-made crisis for both New York and Chicago and all these other sanctuary cities and states. They invited these people to come here and and. It's a self-made crisis. I mean, welcome to the party is usually what I have to say in regards to this because they're complaining about what, 55, 100 on a bus, you know, a couple, you know, 1,200 for the month. That's that's nothing compared to what we see come through our border communities here on a daily basis. Our town is flooded. You know, our safety and our our security here in our small town of Del Rio has been compromised. You know, we had huge groups of male illegals wandering all over around town. Um, and there was a lot of reports of residents being harassed by the individuals here that were refusing to get on the NGO, um, to the buses at the NGO. So I, I don't feel sorry for them. I, I don't. They literally asked for what they are getting. Yep. No kidding. Let me um, just leave you with this, ask with this last question, because as we enter a new year, <clears throat> do you feel that there has that that, uh, that there needs to be a change? And what would that change look like, in your opinion? I think there needs to be a change in this administration. <clears throat> this administration has completely failed. Um at upholding their responsibilities in securing the national security of our country. And there is not going to be a change as far as uh, minimizing or uh, stopping the flow down here. This, to me, has been planned and facilitated and completely just rolled out by this administration because of the policies that they put in place that intentionally circumvent our immigration laws that are that are on the books. So, um, for 2024, under this administration, I don't see things 
in any capacity slowing down. In fact, I actually see it getting much worse, especially with the talks of, you know, the administration looking for ways to stop things. All that that's going to do is create surges down here as soon as wind or word of that really gets south. These caravans and these groups are going to continue to get larger. And I mean, at, at what point? Is, is anyone of our elected officials going to, and this administration, going to stand up to the administration and make a stop? Like this is, it's ridiculous, it's out of control, and they're really, I mean, we're breaking breaking historic records here almost on a daily basis at this point. Yeah, I, it, it is really, really a, 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 an absolute outrage of how they treat the Border Patrol as well, it like it's it's the defund the, the 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 border patrol, just like defund the police. It, it's the I, same I, approach. I agree. No, I agree. I felt that way. You know, they've been after the border patrol for years and multiple administrations. And I mean, look at what they've done just yeah. in these few short years. The, this one, it's terrible. This one has has really overdone it. Allison, thank you very very much, folks. We've been speaking with our good friend Miss Allison Anderson. Uh, she is uh, both a housewife to a Border Patrol agent as well as a resident uh, at the border uh, in Del Rio. Be safe. We wish you the best. And uh, we'll be back in touch with you later on to see uh, how things are progressing uh, in, uh, in, in Del Rio. Yes, sir. And thank you again for having me on. I appreciate it. You got it. Once again, George Rodriguez and Conservador talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And we've got our good friend, Dr. Jeffrey Atticut, who is director of the Warrior Defense Project at St. Mary's University. He is an author. He's well-known, uh, a well-known speaker. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Hey, George. A pleasure to be back. All right. So, um I wanted to talk to you because we've talked before about the, the open border and the terrorist threat. However, now we've got a wide open border. I couldn't imagine that it would get this bad, but a very much wide open border and a conflict in the Middle East, as well as here at home, we've got pro-Hamas terrorist protesters, even here in San Antonio, in our own heartland. Talk to us. What do you think? What are your thoughts? Well, obviously, the uh, the world has always been a dangerous place, and it always will be a dangerous place. Um, and that's one of the issues we have. A lot of people in this country, they're disoriented to reality. Uh, they see things that they want to be, and then they work toward those goals. But uh, the best you can do, the best you can hope for, really, is to expand the periods of peace and prosperity um, and the way to do that, of course, is to stand by the tried and true fundamental principles that have made any nation, including our own, uh, you know, a great powerhouse. And one of those principles, of course, is a secure border. Um, and that's the number one obligation of the government is to protect the citizens from uh, exterior as well as interior threats to their uh, ability to use their God-given resources to, you know, develop uh, themselves in a way that they want to do. That's called freedom and capitalism. So we see a threat right now, as we have not seen in many, many years, as the FBI director has said under sworn testimony before Congress, all the red lights are blinking. And we're not talking about Santa Claus. We're talking about threats from terrorism. In fact, he said under sworn testimony that he's never seen the threat level this high since 9-11. And, uh, you know, I know the FBI is under a lot of uh, pressure right now for some of the uh, the tactics that they've been doing, but we've got to kind of set that aside. And when it comes to, and he's talking about radical Islamic extremism, by the way, let's be very clear, it's not domestic terrorists, i.e. white supremacists. That's the, uh, the language that the Biden administration has tried for three years to substitute 
uh, and to equate with the word terrorism. When most people after 9-11 think about terrorism, they think about radical Islamic extremism. And that's correct because that is the number one threat then. It's the number one threat uh, in the last 20 years. It's the number one threat today. It's not left-wing extremism. It's not right-wing extremism. It's not criminal extremism. It's radical Islamic extremists. And they are bent on, uh, you know, advancing their world goal of basically killing you and they don't care if you're a democrat or republican uh you know a a uh someone that's woke or someone that's not woke they want to kill you and this situation that we've got right now um we have had hundreds yes hundreds uh of individuals caught at the border who have uh who are on the terrorist watch list heaven only knows how many we haven't caught on top of that, we've got folks disrupting Christmas events, like in New York, uh, and, uh, and, and forcing the issue, uh, of, uh, a, a, a Hamas terrorist, uh, agenda here on our own homeland. Uh, how can we, I mean, how can we wake people up? What can we, what can be said about this situation? Well, it's all, you know, it's all an issue of education, which begins at home. So my teaching point is that the, the home is not providing guidance about reality to their children for whatever reason. But you can look at statistics where you have uh, the rise of one, one parent families now, and that's not a good thing. So a lot of these people that are running around, you'll see that they look like they're young people at universities. And my first thought is, you know, who are your parents? Um, And and you see many cases in my day where you see people wearing Che Guevara T-shirts and, you know, kind of, uh, you know, using virtue signaling about uh, how wonderful Mao is or or Stalin and communists. They know nothing about communism or about Che Guevara. He was a murderer. Stalin was a murderer and Mao was a mass murderer. And yet they wear these T-shirts, wave these flags. They don't know what they're doing. They have no idea what Hamas is. Uh, whatsoever. They come up with these catchy phrases about colonialism and, you know, Israel and, and, and things that they're taught from somewhere. And they're totally disoriented to reality because when you sit them down and say, do you realize that Hamas has, you know, murdered, uh, you know, 1,500 people, rape, pillage, uh, you know, barbarism, burning alive? Uh, one, they'll deny it is not true. Or two, they didn't even know it. They said, what? I, I didn't know that. If I would have known that, I wouldn't be out here, you know, protesting. Or you read them the Hamas charter. And the charter says we want to kill, you know, from the river to the sea, we want to kill an entire, we want to commit genocide against an entire nation and kill them all and take over their land. So, you know, if it's someone that you like, they use the term that you're a, you know, an immigrant. If they don't like you, you're a colonizer. Um, but they're doing exactly the same thing. You know, people are moving, and that's the flux of human history. Nations rise, nations fall, but we judge it right now by the United Nations. Are you a member of the United Nations? Israel, yes. Uh, you have the right to exist, therefore, case closed. I don't care what the history or what you imagine the history to be. That's the fact of the matter, but they won't accept that. So I think it's a lot of it's ignorance, but you do have a hardcore group of people in this country that want to destroy the United States of America, even people who want to come here, they don't want to come here to uh, embrace our Bill of Rights and our freedoms that made us such a great, prosperous nation. They want to substitute their version of, for example, Sharia law, which discriminates against women, discriminates against freedom of religion, freedom of press. Uh, and so to allow these people in without any vetting whatsoever is not only illogical, you're dooming your own country to uh, collapse. And that, and that's, you know, that, that is really, really disturbing. There was a, a professor who spoke at a, at a, at a rally uh, last week that spoke about the deconstruction of America. Uh, I cannot imagine, uh, you know, what would, uh, what encourages somebody like that to use those phrases and speak like that. Well, again, you know, that's, that's the issue is, uh, as the Germans discovered, 
uh, after World War II, where they elected, of course, Adolf Hitler was elected, um, they basically said you cannot use free speech to destroy free speech. And, uh, and so we embrace, uh, free speech. I'm probably one of the most tolerant people you'll ever meet. Uh, you know, you do you, I'll do me, have a nice day. But the other side doesn't return the favor. They don't want me to do me. Yeah, right. They want me to think exactly like they think. And if I don't think exactly like they think, in, in, in many cases, they want me to deny objective reality or to lie. And as a Christian, I'm told, I'm, you know, that's a sin to lie. Correct. So I, I will not, you know, uh, I'll, I'll allow you to do whatever you want to do, to dress whatever you want to dress. But I'm not going into your world to, uh, you know, to verify or to validate what you think you are. Uh, again, they will not return the same favor. So, uh, you know, all true liberals are basically, uh, that's the function that makes this country a great country. And we hope that one day people will grow up and observe that water freezes at 32 degrees. It does not freeze at 34 degrees. <laughs> you know, you'll hopefully you'll discover that in the great by and by. But for now, if you think it freezes at 34, have a nice day. Be my uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm just not with you, brother. And yeah. You do you, and I'm going to do me. And that's, you know, that's kind of what I try to instill in my students is, you know, you've got to think outside the box. One of the things that I find fascinating uh, and very disturbing at the same time is that we live in the most open society the world has ever seen. You've got at your fingertips these little machines that can, you know, uh, look at all sorts of uh, news stories and opinions and stuff like that. And yet we have so many people that are brainwashed into denying objective reality uh, in, in, in everywhere you look. And you expect in North Korea where there's limited access to information, but you don't expect it in a society that has access to an abundance of information. You got it. Uh, real quick, before we let you go, what do you anticipate in, in 2024? Do you think we are ripe for another 9-11 attack? Yeah, what we see is a conflict between Mayorkas, the Department of Homeland Security, that says everything's fine, nothing to see here, like the Wizard of Oz. Ignore, you know, what your eyes tell you, and ignore the little man behind the screen. And then you have the uh, the FBI director that says, "No, we're 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 heading for one." I tend to side with the FBI director. Uh, in my studies of, of terrorism and radical Islamic extremists, again, a caveat, this is not Islam, it's radical Islamic extremists. Uh, and these people have killed more Muslims than Christians or Jews. They're not tolerant. Um, and so I expect we're going to have suffer another attack on the homeland. There's no question about it. Uh, particularly as tensions rise in the Middle East, because that's, you know, the head of the snake is Iran right now. Every major city has Iranian assets in those embedded in those cities already. They're just waiting for the green light from the mullahs to conduct terror attacks. So you have that on the one hand. On the other hand, you have the, you know, the lone wolf rogue individuals that are, that are, you know, inspired by radical Islamic extremists like we saw with ISIS. Uh, etc. And so you have two categories of people that are out there, one that's very organized, one that's kind of taking their inspiration and, and on the go. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it, it's not looking good. Give us, uh, tell the folks where they can follow you, um, where they can find you and read your stuff. Yeah, I don't really engage in social media for a variety of reasons. Uh, I kind of just saw the wood in front of me, but I have a plethora of books that are out there on the Internet. You just put my name in there, like Radical Islam Why is available. Many other books that cover these topics, over a 100 books, publications that you can find if you're of, of a mind. But I, I do not do the, the, the Twitter or the X and the Facebook and all that stuff. I, I, I simply saw the wood in front of me. I'm not interested in human approbation. And I don't really think people should be concerned about, oh, I walk fluffy today and look what fluffy did on the road and it posts <laughs> everywhere. I just, I just don't find that interesting or intellectually challenging. <laughs> Folks, we've been speaking with my good friend, Dr. Jeffrey Atticut, director of the Warrior Defense Project at St. Mary's University here in San Antonio. Thank you very much, Dr. Atticut, for spending some time with us. My pleasure, George. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, 
talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And uh, we've got our good friend, Mr. Chris Hayek, who is with the uh, Immigration Reform Law Institute. And I wanted to get him on because uh, here we are at the end of the year of 2023. And uh, I wanted to ask him what um, uh, what has happened in uh, in the courts uh, in 2023. Uh, good and bad as far as uh, immigration law, because, well, in my opinion, we see it being broken constantly. <laughs> so, Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking time to be with us. Sure. All right. So tell us, um, tell us about, first of all, 2023. What um, what cases, what uh, court cases uh, were important during this period, both good and bad? Well, there's some good victories in cases we were involved in. Uh, one happened in New Jersey. Uh, the, the state had passed a law uh, banning private detention centers that uh, ha- uh, detain aliens and uh, uh, for ICE under contract with ICE. And uh, one one of these uh, uh, private prisons companies sued and got the uh, uh, law enjoined by the court because. Um, it violates the supremacy clause of the Constitution. It frustrates uh, the aims of the federal government in the, in its immigration laws. That's good. Yes, that was good. Uh, uh, Biden's duplicate DACA program was was shot down immediately by a, a Texas federal district court. Uh, uh, the Supreme Court upheld the uh, anti-harboring law. Part of the anti-harboring law, which says you, uh, you can't harbor illegal aliens, says you should not induce illegal immigration. And that uh, someone convicted under it had been uh, uh, challenged his conviction because uh, he said it violated the free speech rights of other people who might just be making speeches uh, saying something about illegal immigration, and, and that would violate the law. So, so it violated the First Amendment. It was too. It, it, it swept up too much uh, protected speech, and and the, and the Supreme Court disagreed with that and upheld the law, saying that uh, properly interpreted, it did not limit anybody's free speech. It didn't stop you from making a speech and so forth. That's amazing. Um, it's amazing how they make the leap from harboring an illegal alien to free speech. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a creative argument, but the Ninth Circuit bought it. The Ninth Circuit uh, struck down the law and the Supreme Court reversed. <laughs> but the, the Ninth Circuit, it upheld the criminal reentry law that uh, the Nevada District Court had struck down um, on equal protection grounds. People who got, uh, the people who lost in the Ninth Circuit are now petitioning for cert in the Supreme Court. I, I don't know if that'll be granted. Yeah, um, again, the criminal reentry law had to do with uh, allowing criminals to reenter the United States and not uh, banning them. Right. It, it, if you enter and are deported and then you reenter, that that's a crime under this law. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, they didn't want that, and they they said it's it's discriminatory against uh, people from Latin America. <laughs> Like, because, of course, they are the only ones that commit crimes. Right, right. And, um, uh, you know, it happens in Latin, you know, we border Latin America, so a, a lot of the uh, illegal aliens are going to be from Latin America. Now, Chris, um, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. These are very creative arguments uh, in favor of keeping the border open. I mean, this is what it what it literally means. I mean, they are uh, looking for loopholes, duplicating DACA harboring illegal aliens and claiming it's free speech and then uh, banning a detention center where you detain illegal aliens. Uh, I I mean, I'm trying to put my head around these arguments. How can these people claim that they are protecting American interest when they are uh, arguing these points? Right. Well, it it, it may be in the new year that uh, they have to They'll have to defend themselves in court and explain how these policies are not a deliberate attempt to flood the country. Yes. Oh, yeah. The, 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 that is the, the, you know, the one aim they keep in mind, to increase illegal immigration as much as possible uh, and, 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 and safeguard, uh, you know, continue the presence of um, illegal aliens or other aliens who have committed crime. And, you know, they don't want them deported. They want them here committing more crimes. Oh, okay, we lost you there for a few moments. Oh, um, right. So they, um, yeah, that 
that's their constant aim to increase illegal immigration as much as possible. Jeez. Oh, and, uh, there, and, and one disappointing case, the Supreme court had, uh, disappointing opinion that issued was, uh, Texas had sued, uh, to stop, uh, the administration's priorities memo, which, uh, stated what their priorities would be for, um, detaining and, uh, you know, arresting and removing, uh, illegal aliens who should be removed. And, and, and they just picked out a few categories that they would, uh, arrest and deport and would release the rest of them. And so, and so Texas and, uh, the Supreme court held that Texas didn't have standing because you don't have standing to, uh, if you're a third party, you don't have standing supposedly to object to a policy about arresting other people and, and demand that more people get arrested. Uh, Justice Alito dissented from that, but, but that was the opinion of the court. And, uh, that kind of impacted a case we have representing a group of, uh, Texas counties and sheriffs. And uh, so, so we had to, uh, amend our complaint and say, well, no, we're not challenging the arrest policy. We're challenging the detention policy, which is different. And, um, and so we're going ahead with our case. But Texas hadn't really challenged the, the detention policies. Wow. Now, let me ask you about this latest, um, press release from early. Regarding the issue that um, the Biden administration admits that barriers are effective to me- to uh, measure uh, the most effective measure at the border, uh, because they've been saying, I mean, uh, here in Texas, we com- we constantly hear people saying that uh, uh, that the wall is uh, nothing more than an obstruction to the environment that it really doesn't stop anybody and do- doesn't work, as well as the uh, voids that were placed, uh, in the, uh, in the Rio Grande that they were, uh, obstructing the fish, uh, and the flow of the water. So, um, yeah. now what is this? Are they admitting that, um, that these, uh, barriers are effective? Uh, well, they sort of have, um, the OIG did the, the officer of inspector general, uh, the office of the inspector general. Um, I mean, they, they're self-contradictory. You know, part of the administration is, is doing studies and saying, yes, border barriers work. And, and, and this contradicts uh, other statements that, you know, a border wall is not a serious policy solution. And it's a waste of money. I mean, that's what they said early on. They're kind of coming around, but that, that, that doesn't mean they're going to do anything. Yeah. And of course that the, the, they're still cutting the razor wire that Texas put up or, or Actually, they've been joined not to do that, but they they were doing that. And 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 at the same time, uh, you know, while one uh, side of the uh, of the liberal Democrats are saying that uh, that it impedes this and it impedes that, uh, we've heard others say that um, they're ineffective and why put them up? So uh, right, apparently they impede everything except uh, would be Ill- illegal entries. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. And then let me ask you this last question regarding um, the white the the Biden White House being slammed for family separation policies uh, for family separation. I thought I thought that they had zero tolerance for family separation, and apparently it's going on. Yeah, they, it, it, it's hard to avoid it. Uh, the, the people really responsible for the family separation are the migrants themselves. I mean, if you're a parent of children and you send them over separately from you or you come together, right? Um, there may well be separation um, there. And, and you can stop that separation by going back home. Um, they, they choose separation as a, as a, a price they pay for coming here. Yep. And, yep. Uh, and it, it seems and, to and me, it, it seems to me that, People that immigrate to the United States legally don't face that problem. Right. It, it's uh, and family separation occurs all the time when somebody commits crime. If you're if you're pulled over for drunk driving and your kids are in the car, uh, you're going to go off to jail and and your family's going to be separated. Um, uh, it, 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 it's, it's so if you violate a, a criminal law in the U.S., you know you you don't take your kids with you to uh, jail. Anything else you'd like to add before we let you go, buddy? Well, you've asked about what's what's coming in the new yes. year. Um, I, I would say the uh, one big thing that's coming is the Fifth Circuit is. That's, I mean, they've remanded the issue, but but um, pretty soon they're going to rule on uh, what kind of uh, war powers Texas has uh, to um, 
engage in war against the cartels. Oh, and, and uh, we we have argued uh, in in that case, which involves the floating barriers uh, Texas put up, uh-huh. that uh, with the, there's a part of the Constitution, Article One, Section Ten, that says states uh, may engage in war if they're actually invaded or just about to be invaded, and uh, so Texas has invoked this and said, we're being invaded by the cartels. So we're putting up floating barriers. And I mean, they ought to do a lot more than that. Uh, but but they've, they've taken some more steps. And what we argued is that the question of whether Texas has been invaded and the question of what means of waging war are appropriate for Texas to use to defend itself, both of those questions are what the courts call non-justiciable political questions. The Constitution gives them to the state of Texas or any other state to decide. The court should not be deciding them. And so uh, the court should throw this lawsuit the the Biden administration has brought against the barriers. They should throw that a lawsuit out and any other lawsuits, um, leaving Texas free to defend itself. Aha! That's a good way to put it. Yeah. That's and, a very um, good way that, I mean, I think there's a there's a good chance the court will do that. I think, and I think it's the right answer. Uh, the Constitution doesn't contemplate people going to court to try to enjoin a war, or you know, have a thing coming up is uh, we've sued in uh, the District of Columbia on behalf of uh, the 20, 2020 Republican mayoral candidate, a woman named Stacia Hall, and 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 other D.C. voters to strike down D.C.'s non-citizen voting law, which lets anybody who lives in D.C. vote, whether they're uh, citizens or not, uh-huh. or, or even have legal status or not. And um, and that that's now with the district court, and uh, we're waiting for a decision. Don't others, but, uh, uh, other jurisdictions like San Francisco have that, allow uh, illegals to vote? Yes, yes, in school board elections there. So would this and, uh, impact on them as well? Uh, well, it'd be a precedent. It's not. It's not a direct precedent. There, um, that's currently being fought over in the state courts in California and uh, under the California state constitution. Right. DC doesn't have a state constitution, but they they're, they're bound by the federal constitution. And right. the arguments we made are are from from the federal constitution. Well, my friend, we will let you go. Thank you very much. We've been speaking with our good friend, Mister Chris Hyatt from the Immigration Reform Law Institute. Chris, we will be back in touch and uh, continue to follow what is happening uh, on the legal front uh, with the fight against illegal immigration. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Once again, my friends, thank you for joining us. I want to thank FAIR once again for sponsoring our program. Till next time, my friends, next year, next Saturday. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Thank you for joining us. Join us again next week. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.